Hey guys, and welcome to episode 24 of Soot and Whitewash. I'm your host, Neil Piper, and in today's show, I'm going to delve into the treasure trove that was my um, Emulsive Secret Santa gift this, well, last year now. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a post-Christmas present that I bought myself and put to rest a a rumour of a film that's been doing the rounds on the internet recently. Join me after this and I'll be right back. Hey guys, how you all doing? It's January and I'm back. I've had my my Christmas break uh, from recording the show, so it's been a few weeks. Um, so what's the first thing I want to talk about today? Well, of course, that's going to be my Emulsive Secret Santa gift. So I've been seeing a lot of uh, cool pictures on social media of all your gifts, and I posted a picture of mine. Now, mine came, and I want to give a big, massive shout-out to Amanda Gordon. Now, Amanda is... Um, Amanda1892A on Instagram and Amanda1812 on Twitter. Um, she was cool enough to send me um, send me a gift this year. And so I'm going to go through what she what she sent me. Uh, it's actually really cool. Um, so I think Amanda had... I didn't know Amanda before. We weren't sort of connected on social media or anything. So I can only assume that she had looked at the... Uh, what's it called? The the wish list that you that you put up, um, in what was it called? In Elster, you could make a, a little wish list, can't you? And she's obviously deduced that I like pinhole. Um, I think I put put on there a few sort of products that I was sort of into and sort of a little bit about what I do. Um, maybe she gave me a bit of a stalk on Instagram or something. I'm not sure, but either way, she came up good and she sent me, um. A what's the name of the company? A Flights of Fancy Pinhole Photography Kit. Now, this this is really cool. Now, these are actually quite old. Um, what have we got on there? On the back of it is uh, copyrighted the year two thousand. That'd be about right. Um, little bit of backstory. I bought one of these for my uh, now wife, uh, probably about ten years ago when she was sort of dabbling with photography a little bit, and I wasn't and didn't have a clue about it so it was quite nice to see it again so what it is is uh, as the name would suggest it's a pinhole camera kit that you make yourself um, you open up the box which I'm doing now and inside is everything um, that you need to make your first or, well, a pinhole camera and take some shots and develop it so in the box, there's a, well, a broken down another box, which is a pinhole camera, that you piece together. So it is literally just a cube. Uh, so what, six sides on a cube? Yeah, six sides on the cube. Uh, one side has got a big old hole in it. And yeah, I've, I have put this one together now. So take the lid off, and inside it is a little black um, mask, I suppose that you put together and you put a little pinhole in. It even comes with a pin to make a pinhole, which is quite handy, because people don't have pins lying around these days. Um, yep, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll post a picture of this on Instagram because I realise I'm doing a crap job of explaining it. Um, so you put it together and you can glue it together or just hold it together with a couple of rubber bands that come with it. That's great. It comes with 
three diddy little developing trays. Look kind of like something that you might get your Chinese takeaway in. A couple of bottles of chemicals. One clearly marked developer, one clearly marked fix. They obviously don't deem that you need a stop bar. Even though it comes with a third tray, I guess they assume we're just going to use water. Fine. Um, just bear in mind, remember that I said these are quite old. You can't actually buy these new anymore. Uh, well, they're not. Well, I say you're not. They're not making them anymore, and they're copyrighted the year two thousand. So um, this is obviously a new kit that Amanda has got me, and you can sort of pick them up on Amazon. But they're they're new, but they're not new. Okay, new old stock, as it were. So I wouldn't recommend using the developer or the fixer. Um, in here as well is a little. Um, pack of photographic paper, uh, variable contrast, glossy, 16 sheets of 3 inch by 3 inch paper. So that's the size, if you picture a 3 inch by 3 inch by 3 inch cube, that's the size of your camera, that's the size of the paper that goes in it. It comes with a little pair of tweezers, so I'm guessing is their attempt at tongs. Uh, a piece of glass, no, acrylic, not sure what that's for. And a uh, a red gel, which they're calling a safe light filter. So I should probably have read the instructions on this version, there, really. Don't know what they intend you to do with that. Put that in front of a light bulb, maybe. I don't know. That's not really right. anyway. I'll have a read of that. Uh, little sort of safety tips: bit of paper, pair of gloves, so you don't get all the nasty chemicals on your hands. And here we go: the instructions and a history of the pinhole camera, all condensed into a handy 20-odd page uh, leaflet with some very questionable quality um, photographs in it. There we go. Yeah, so intro to pinhole photography, how it started, what it was used for, first images, first cameras, principles of pinhole photography and how you um, how you record an image, how you make your little new new little camera. And here we go, your darkroom. <laughs> right. Yeah, essential things, all the things that come with it, non-essential things, you know. I'll go into that another time, maybe. Anyway, yeah, so that's it. A pinhole photography uh, kit. Make your own camera. This is awesome, and I'm really looking forward using it and I've just noticed on the uh, on the camera itself it has a best before date <laughs> I have a camera with a best before date um, I'm assuming that's referring to the, the chemistry in in the kit even though they've stuck it to one of the panels of the camera but it says best before January 2010 so those chemicals are already nine years out of date as I said I think we'll give them ones a miss and uh, I'll mix up some uh, different stuff when I get around to using it. So anyway, that's the first gift that I got. Thank you very much, Amanda Gordon. That's awesome. Really looking forward to using that. Um, what else did we get in there? Well, she obviously looked at my my wish list, like I said, and there was a roll of Acros, my favourite film in my favourite format, 120. So that's brilliant. That's going to get put in the, in the stockpile of Acros because I haven't got very much of it left at the moment. And we're going to find out something cool pinhole-wise to do with that. A couple more rolls of 120. There was two rolls of Portra, uh, one roll of fresh Portra 160, and one roll of slightly expired, as in 
it's still fresh, 2018. Uh, Porsche 400, which is cool. Not sure what I'm going to use those for. Might try a bit of colour pinhole. Mm, not sure. I might, I don't want to say it. I might actually try and shoot some portraits. And some lens-based portraits maybe with that. I don't know. Don't hold me to that. Also in there was a roll of 35mm. The classic Coda Colour 200. And that was expired. And I can't remember when that was expired. But I've used most of that already in... I put that one in my Mew 2 and shot uh, family snaps uh, around the Christmas period with that one. So again, thanks for that, Amanda. And the final thing, which I didn't bring with me, so I can't talk too much about it, but you should all know about it anyway, was a brand new solar can. Um, have you heard of solar cans? You must have heard of solar cans. So the solar can, how many times can I fit the word solar can into this sentence, um, is a pre-made, fully sealed up solar graph camera uh, produced by Mr. Sam Cornwall. God, I hope that's his name. I haven't got it written in front of me. Definitely Sam. Um, so a solar graph camera, just uh, quickly, they're normally made out of a beer can or a Coke can or something like that. Um, a simple pinhole in the side of it, a piece of photographic paper um, inside the can, and you seal the whole damn thing up and uh, cable tie it, zip tie it to a fence post, a lamp post or something like that, pointing at the sun, and leave it for well, I don't know, I leave mine anywhere between 24 hours and a year, and you get a, uh, a beautiful, sort of surreal, otherworldly uh, pinhole photograph over a massive period of time. Now, Sam sells, um, sells these pre-made. I can't even tell you how much he charges for them. Not enough, probably. Um, but they come in a nice, sort of already sealed up tin can with all the, the nice graphics on it ready to go. Comes with cable ties, comes with a instruction booklet and everything to go with it. So I got one of those. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Sam was actually my Secret Santa gifter last year. So I now have two of them. Sorry, Sam, I still haven't got around to using that first one that you sent me. But now I have two of them. I have a an idea for what I'm going to use them both for. So stay tuned to that. So yeah, that's that's the first bit of of the show that's my emulsive secret santa rundown for this year thank you amanda just so again that's amanda 1812a on instagram and amanda 1812 on twitter stay with me i'm going to collect my thoughts and work out something else that i'm going to talk to you about in just a minute cheers okay so i want to talk to you next about a new piece of kit that i bought myself as a as a post christmas present i guess and just between Christmas and New Year. And that's a new camera bag. Now, I hear all the groans already. I know a lot of you aren't gear people, but and I'm not really either, but I do like a camera bag. So I realized the other day that I have, uh, well, two proper camera rucksacks. Uh, one of them I briefly spoke about on an older podcast uh, when I was talking about backpacking before my holiday, and that's a Tamarack Expedition 7. And... To be fair, it's freaking huge. Um, pretty much everything photographic I own that I could possibly want to take out on one single trip, you can fit in that bag. You fit the tripod on the front of it. Yada, yada, yada. I can fit my MacBook Pro in it. It's massive. Uh, the other one, uh, which I don't have to hand, is freaking tiny. That's a, a Low Pro. Is it Low Pro, I think? Um, that little rucksack. You can't fit a tripod on it, and I use it basically to house my... Um, Veronica ETRS 
um, setup, uh, which is the camera, a couple of lenses, a couple of backs, um, and the um, like the pistol grip wind. So that all fits comfortably in the bag with a few rolls of film. That will sort of tell you how big that bag is. Um, and I have a couple of sort of over the shoulder, um, what do you call them, like a satchel type bag, but nothing sort of in the middle. And I realized the other day I, I needed, needed in inverted commas, needed a, a somewhat, something that was in the middle. And I had a bit of birthday money. So I went to the, my local camera shop and I purchased a new bag. And the one I chose was the Manfrotto NX CSC backpack. Now, I'm a bit of a sucker for Manfrotto gear. Um, I've got a fair bit of it now, um, sort of tripod and clamps, and um, one of my little sort of satchel bags is Manfrotto. And I mean, I'm not sponsored by Manfrotto. If Manfrotto are listening, if you want to, <laughs> that'd be nice. Um, but no, I, I genuinely just like really like their stuff so this one was hanging on the shelf i think i paid just over 50 pounds for it um, which seems a lot for a bag but it's a camera bag you know and as soon as it's something is a camera or anything you can slap a little bit more money on it um but it sort of occurred to me while i was looking at all these bags and they're obviously all designed now for digital shooters and so it was hard to when, when you're looking on, if you're in the market for a bag and you go to a website and you look online and it says, oh, it all, it's got all this space, it's this many litres and it will hold a, a full frame DSLR with a telephoto lens attached and a couple of other lenses and this pocket here for your memory cards and this pocket here for your drone and the remote control and this and that. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know whether that's, I don't know how that relates to what I do. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm a film shooter and you can get plenty of film cameras that are the same size pretty much as a a full frame DSLR with the next bloody lens on the front of it. But that doesn't mean anything to me. So I actually went out to the shop and I looked at them physically and ended up purchasing from the shop. I'm not going to lie. Normally I'll go to the shop, look at what I want and I'll buy it online because I get it cheaper. But I didn't do that this time. So, yes, this is the, the Manfrotto NX CSC, and I'll post a picture of it at some point on the on the Instagram page. Um, so why did I go for this one? Because it's, for me, it's an ideal size. Now, looking at a lot of bags nowadays, it seemed to me that a, um, a common desire, I guess it's a desire because they keep doing it, for, for photographers is to make them um, secure, that's, yeah, great, understandable. A lot of people carry thousands of pounds worth of kit around in these bags. But the way they do it is by making them open from the back. Now, I'm not not really sure how I feel about this. So for, by that I mean you generally have to take the rucksack off and then unzip the back of the bag and that opens and that opens up and then you get your kit. Now, this one does that, um, but it only does that for half of the bag. So you take the bag off, you've got a double zip, that opens up, and in the back sort of, well, doesn't matter in the back. So in the bottom half of the bag, you've got your standard like Velcro dividers that you can put your, you know what I mean, the dividers in the camera bag, so you can change them all around, um, depending on what kit you're using, what kit you're taking, blah, blah, blah. 
So, and this one here, it says, I think the literature for, from Manfrotto say that it will hold an entry-level DSLR. I don't know what an entry-level one is. Is that a, a crop sensor DSLR, maybe? Um, with a lens attached and two additional lenses. Yep, it would do that absolutely perfectly, judging from this. Size, it's sort of standard size rucksack. Um, uh, where are we? It's, it says uh, that it will also accommodate a DJI Maverick Pro with remote control and small accessories. Yeah, safely. Now, I think that that's a drone. I'm not 100%. So I'm pretty sure that that's what they're going for. Like I said earlier, it fits your DSLR, it fits your drone. For me, it fits perfectly. Uh, several rolls of film, my Reality So Subtle 6x6F, uh, a couple of homemade pinhole cameras, and a set of filters. Fit nicely in there. And this whole, the other, thing, the other reason why I like it is, sort of all this scuffling around, but that whole sort of padded section comes out. So you can, if you wanted to, you can use it as, well, just a bag, bag if you want. So that all comes out on its own and then sort of tucks back in. So that's cool. Um, on the inside of that, so what? So like I say, you open up the back of the rucksack, that flaps open, and then there you've got, I'm guessing, what are supposed to be memory card pockets, but I don't know, a few rolls of film in there. Business cards, maybe, if that's your thing. So that's that. It has a strap um, that you can't adjust on the back that allows you to sort of put it onto. You know the straps that allow you to hook it onto a suitcase, like a roller wheel suitcase, which is nice. Turning it round, um, you've got uh, a zip that goes vertically up the sort of centre of the bag. Now that opens up, got another big old pocket in there. And then the main bit, you sort of open the top flaps down and you've got other access to the other half of the rucksack, like the other half of the internals. And that's where, well, that's where I've been keeping, like, I don't know, a couple of little tabletop tripods, cable releases, my um, shoot film co paper, uh, paper photo memo notebook is in there. And there's a few more pockets, um, which I've been keeping, just lodging equipment. So I've got a proper gaff tape, a roll of electrical tape, sorry, various little uh, nuts and bolts for if stuff goes wrong in the field. Also got a charger, a charger brick for my phone and a pen. And also tucked in there. So this, when this, when this pocket flaps open, it sort of allows access to the, the holes, the hole at the front of the bag. And that's, I've got a, a dark bag, a changing bag in there as well. Just in case something goes wrong out in the field, which it did the other day. Quite handy. Um, what else we got? Another side access pocket in there. So a lot of these sort of pockets, I'm guessing, they're kind of they're flat. So they're designed for things like notebooks. They're designed for things like um, iPads and things like that. So it's got a couple of pockets that are suitable for that. Um, the side mesh pockets, uh, as as you get on most rucksacks, so for like your bottle of water or or what have you, whatever floats your boat. And it's got a tripod, um, not a clip, you know, like a Velcro strap on the side of it, which is fantastic. Now, the only thing I will say about this bag is if you're going to use this type of bag, you need a tripod, a suitable tripod 
um, for the size. Now my Merlin Frosto trifold, I forget what it is, um, a zero five five possibly. Um, that is too big to go on the side of this. I have tried it, and it's it it's too it's too heavy. So you need um, either a smaller tripod, like a travel. Uh, a lot of companies do like a travel range of tripods. That'll sit nicely on the side there. Foot goes in the meshing on the side, and there's a Velcro thing on the top to hold it in. Um, there's also uh, a couple of little, what do you call it, like elastic tabs. I think if I hold them like a monopod, maybe as well. But anyway, um, that's that's all I really have to say on it for the moment. It's had one outing so far with me, and it was very very cool, very very good. Still looks like new, um, and I'm very happy with it. Whilst I understand it's probably boring as hell for you guys listening to me talk about a bag that you can't see, I'll uh, try and remember to post a picture or a little video or something of it at some point so that you can get some rough idea of what I was jabbering on about. Anyway, let's leave that there for now. So, then I suppose comes the reason why I actually decided that I needed a new bag, and that was because I went on a photo walk uh, last... Friday, whenever it was, some point last week, sometime between Christmas and New Year, I got a message from the Mr. Andrew Bartram of the Lenses podcast, um, saying, "Hey, I'm meeting up with uh, a couple of guys. Um, going to take some pinhole pictures. Would you like to come with? Of course, I'd like to come with." So, we met up in a town called Wisbeach, um, in the UK, not too far away from, uh, like Cambridge, and. Met Andrew and met Mr. Alex Yates, formerly of the Pinhole Podcast, and a very nice guy called Joe Baker, um, who Alex and Joe are both from Norwich, which isn't too far away from me, Andrew from just outside Cambridge, so that was quite nice to meet up with Andrew, who I've only met once before, return a camera, the last camera, I think, of his that I've actually borrowed, so he's now got all them back, and I think he's happy, um, yeah, met up with Alex and met Joe, or met Alex, met Joe for the first time. It was odd meeting Alex because I was very familiar with his, with his voice from his own um, now defunct podcast and appearances on. Uh, I think I heard him on on Lensless once before. So it was odd to meet someone that you didn't know who they what they looked like, but you recognised their voice before you recognised their face. Very peculiar, but that's not Alex. That's the whatever. <laughs> yeah, Alex, you are a bit peculiar actually. Anyway, so that was cool. We met up in Wisbeach and had a, a, a wander around there and spent a couple of hours wandering around. Nice pub lunch, a bit more of a wander around, and then we sort of drove up a bit up towards the coast, um, up near the Wash, um, which is top of East Anglia, if you know the UK geography at all, uh, sort of where the sea comes, comes right in. And that was nice. Pretty windy, pretty open, never been anywhere as flat in my life, um, but that was quite nice. So yes, I that was, yeah, what was I talking about? That was why I decided I needed a new bag, because I didn't want to be, I knew I wanted to take this piece of kit, this piece of kit, and this piece of kit, but I didn't want to take my massive Tamarack bag, and the other ones I had were, were too small. So, so yes, I bought, so I bought the, uh, the Manfrotto bag, and it held up really well. It was nice and comfortable to carry all day, didn't get in the way, you know, when you're walking down, if you're walking down the street and you've got a massive bag on your back or God forbid you actually want to go into a shop and you've still got your bag on your back and you end up knocking everything off the shelf. That didn't happen. And 
yeah, it was a very, very, very pleasant day and nice to meet those guys. Um, Alex Yates, he's, uh, I'll give him a follow. He, he is a pin Hollister on Instagram. Can't remember what he is on Twitter off the top of my head, but I'll put it in the show notes. And Joe Baker, he's known as Evil Chutney across both Instagram and uh, Twitter. And Andrew Bartram, you must follow Andrew Bartram. He's Warboy's snapper uh, across most of the Instagrams, uh, most of the social medias as well. I'll pop that in there as well. So thanks, guys. Lovely to meet you all. Love to meet you again, Andrew, for the second time. Um, We'll have to make it more of a regular thing, which would be very cool. And that's, yeah, that's about all, oh yes, there was one last thing. So, as a result of this trip, um, I made a visit into a Poundland. Now, I haven't been in Poundland for a while, since you haven't, since they've stopped doing the old uh, Agfa Vista 200. Um, but there was rumblings across the internet, uh, what, a week or a couple of weeks ago now, that they were selling 35mm film again. And there were unconfirmed reports. Yes, I've seen it. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. No, I haven't seen it. And then a photograph popped up of um, this this film that they were selling. And fine, great. So I went into Poundland to confirm whether they had some or whether they didn't. And they did. Uh, a big, uh, there was a, about a brick of it sitting in there from memory. And I was like, okay, that's cool. How much is it? Um, because I heard that it wasn't a pound. Some branches of Poundland have sort of branched out and they sell things for two pound, they sell things for five pound, etc. And these were sitting on the shelf and underneath it they clearly said five pounds. Um and I was like, whoa, that's that's a lot. Especially when you pick it up and you read all the literature on it and all you can sort of ascertain from it is that it's ISO two hundred colour neg film and the and it's yeah ten, and it's a 10 exposure roll 10 exposures for five pound that doesn't seem right um and i sort of looked at it and i think alex was there at that point as well and possibly um joe and we're like this is this isn't right so i actually went and i ran it through one of their self-servicings and it and it come up as two pounds so twice the price of the old agfa stuff and it's only a 10 exposure roll so and I done the maths and I was like, that's 20, that's 20 pence per exposure, assuming that you've got 10 exposures out of it. That's 10, 20 pence per exposure. That seems quite, quite dear for what's probably still superior 200 just rolled up in a new can. And then I got to thinking, like, is it really? I mean, and then I looked at, I went online and I looked at just a roll of portrait. Now, obviously, not the same, not the same quality of of film, but you could buy. Well, the first place I looked at, you could buy Portra, uh, for nine pounds. That's, I don't know, a million dollars for you Americans. Nine pounds for a roll of thirty six exposures, and if you do the maths on that, that works out to be twenty five pence per exposure. So. Twenty five pence per exposure for Portra, or twenty pence per exposure of this weird Poundland mystery film. There's not much in it, really. 5p per exposure? I don't really know. I mean, I didn't buy any. I'm not really shooting 35mm at the moment, and I'm not shooting colour, so it didn't make any sense to buy any other than to say, yeah, I've got some. 
um, one of these packs was open already, so I opened it up further and looked at the actual canister, and there's no sort of, there's no clue as to what it actually is, other than um, the, the top of the cartridge has got little teeth in it, just like you'd find in a cartridge in a disposable camera. So I don't know whether they're re-rolls, whether they're rolled into old disposable camera cartridges, or whether they are the film from old disposable camera cartridges. Um, I don't know whether you got at any point disposable cameras with just 10 shots in them. I don't remember. Maybe you did. Let me know if you know. But anyway, that's... Yeah, so it's available. You can buy it. It works out to be roughly 5 pence per exposure, cheaper than um, uh, Portra. I think it's Portra 400 I was looking at. So if you're pricing your photography up frame by frame, you're probably going to want to go with Portra. I would say, if you're quite happy with the cheap film in a short roll, maybe it's good for testing cameras. Maybe that's just kind of sprung to mind. Maybe you want to, maybe just a, yeah, a 10 shots. That seems ideal if you're not bulk rolling your own stuff. Anyway, let me know if you can think of any other reason why you'd want, to, why you'd want this. Anyway, so. Yeah, that's about all I've got to talk about for the first show back after New Year. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Hope you guys all had a good Christmas. Hope you guys all had a good holiday season, whatever you chose to do with it. And I hope it's not too hard for you going back to work whenever you go back to work. Right, so that's it. As usual, if you want, you can drop me an email at sootandwhitewash at gmail.com. You can send me a call in with the Anchor app if you are that way inclined. Or you can send me an audio message via the same, via certain white wash at Gmail, if you want. You can see my personal photography at Neil underscore Piper on Instagram. And the show has its own Instagram account, and the handle being soot and whitewash. And I will try and post, I'll try and get a bit more active on there and post some more pictures of what I've been talking about. Um, I've noticed a few of you have been nicely hashtagging the show into your photos and it's been cool to see some of them and I'm going to try and start um, sort of um, reposting some of them for everyone to see I think one of I've only managed to get one of them down so far so if you want to if you want me to sort of uh, repost your pictures have a look at them just tag the show hashtag soot and whitewash and I'll do my best to get them shared okay that's it for this this show I'm not going to say this week because you might not get one next week because I'm going to try hard to actually just not rush them out like I like I spoke to you about before Christmas so I shall just leave it as I will speak to you when I do thank you very much for listening and I'll talk to you next time bye guys oh yeah and one other thing when you're done listening to this, if you're not listening to it already, head over to your wherever you get your podcast from and type in the Hypersensitive Photographers Podcast and go and have a listen to Mr. Hamish Gill and Mr. M from Emulsive argue and chat garbage and just generally have a fun time on their new podcast. It's hilarious. I'm about halfway through their first show and yeah. Go and have a listen. It's good fun. Cheers, guys.